The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. If we go up here and this is the double, like this is the two birds that we need to finish the two man limit, I was just like, this is it. This is the perfect scenario. You couldn't have painted a better picture. You really couldn't. Like, this is what trips are, what you dream about on trips. Perfect dog work. We go up there and completely just whiff. <laughs> One thing we all love to do with our dogs is hit the road and go on new adventures. In order for that to happen, we have to be able to safely and efficiently travel with our dogs. Dakota 283 is dedicated to building unparalleled pet protection and tailgate lifestyle products for you and your best friends. Their one-piece roto-molded kennels have many options such as the Hero Series for military-grade crates, T1 low-profile kennels that will fit truck beds with tonneau covers, and their most popular G3 Series that's available in any size you'll need. Dakota not only offers many different sizes and styles of kennels, they also offer products and accessories to help with food and water transport, truck bed storage, and even grooming stations. Have a new puppy and only want to buy one kennel instead of buying multiple ones as they grow? Look at the Forever Kennel Insert Divider that gives you the ability to buy a kennel now and adjust the size inside as needed. No matter what you need to get you on your next adventure with your dog, Dakota has it for you. Check them out now at dakota283.com. Your new 283 lifestyle is just one click and free shipping away. Why do we spend all year training dogs? So that we have the best possible hunting partner. At the end of the day, having a well-trained hunting partner doesn't help if you can't figure out where to actually go hunt. Scout and Hunt Maps is the only mapping software on the market focused on upland habitat and shows exactly where and when a timber cut was completed along with specifying what's upland or lowland habitat. In some states, you can even know exactly what type of timber is in an area without stepping foot on the ground. Scout and Hunt Maps was developed by an actual upland hunter and guide that knows the importance of having quality hunting covers pinned on the map before you even hit the road. Scout and Hunt even works for you in the field without phone service, without having to remember to save the area before you even go in. Once you get set up on Scout and Hunt, then you'll be able to spend more time actually hunting rather than trying to figure out where to go hunt. When checking out, be sure to use GDIY 10 to save 10% and sign up for Patreon if you want to save even more. Spend less time asking other people where to go hunt and get Scout and Hunt today. Scout today, hunt tomorrow. All right, everybody, we are up here in South Dakota wrapping things up. I'm here with my buddy Jacob Little. Jacob, you have any fun this week, man? 
yeah, it was a little tough at first, and <laughs> oh, we, we kind of got it figured out. Yeah, man, we're definitely going to get into that. Uh, you know, it's uh, real quick. You know, we we struck out from Tennessee a little over a week ago, week ago now, and uh, came up here. Uh, Greg Cronkite of Dakota 283 invited us to stay at his lodge and uh, kind of be our base of operations as we go around hitting all the public lands in the area, chasing prairie chickens and sharptails. And uh, so, you know, it was, it was really nice to have that opportunity through Greg. I mean, it, it definitely worked in our favor for sure, but uh, met a few people. We did a pit stop in Iowa, helped out a very little that the last day of the Invitational, we kind of volunteered. Uh, but first, Jacob, I guess kind of introduce yourself, tell everybody what dog you run, where you're from, stuff like that, you know, general, general stuff. Yeah, so I got a Deutsch Drothar, then got into dogs a couple years ago, and linked up with you and NAVDA, and still do the VDD stuff as well. Yeah. And down there in Tennessee with the Mid-South chapter, and been working dogs for the last couple of years now. <laughs> what, what made you want to get into dogs? Because I know you kind of come from a more of a big game uh, mentality, so what, what kind of got you interested in getting a dog to begin with, and then what made you decide on a draught? Yeah, so I shot a deer, and the shot wasn't all that good. And the, we ended up finding the deer, but about how to get a tracking dog. And after seeing the prices of a lot of them down there, I was like, I'm going to get my own dog. Cause <laughs> so, screw that. so instead of seeing the prices on tracking a deer and be like, all right, maybe I should go practice a little bit more. You're like, yeah, I'll just go get a dog, right? <laughs> Still practice, but you bow hunt long enough, stuff's going to happen. And same yeah. with rifle. Yep, That's going to happen eventually if you hunt enough. And, and, and it's it's one of the worst feelings in the world when it does. Absolutely. Like right when I released it, right when I saw the impact, really, yeah. I knew it wasn't the best shot. Yep. And just so, backed out then. So did y'all recover that deer? Yeah, we ended up finding it okay, on the way back to the truck to so, call a deer or call a tracking dog. Oh, okay. So you're going to call the tracking dog, and then you ended up finding the deer. Yeah, there's one spot my buddy didn't check. Like, we're going there first, and that's where he laid. So saved you a little bit of money, but you you saw the light on the horizon. You're like, hey, I can probably get a tracking dog and just have that on reserve if I need to. You just go home and start Googling tracking dogs and, you know, the the wire wolf showed up for you? Yeah, kind of. There's a lot of uh, guys who run bloodhounds in the area and the Tennessee Blood Tracking Network, it's big up there. Yep. And everyone there, for the most part, runs bloodhounds. Yep. So I was like, well, I like duck hunting too. So I started looking at versatile dogs. Okay. And kept coming back to... The drawers. The draught. So yep. what was it about the draught that you like? Just the beard, the the size, the mentality, just a little bit of everything? Yeah, kind of. Um, more of a versatile hunter to begin with, so might as well get a versatile dog too. And Yeah. Uh, wife's cousin has a wired hair, and I looked up a little bit of a difference and felt like the draught fit my needs more. Gotcha. So... You got your draught, and, and I'm kind of treating this as just an intro to you and what got you in the dog world because ultimately we're here. This is your first main, like big upland trip, and so you you got the dog for tracking. How did you end up getting in? You know, d did the breeder require you doing the German testing, or is that just something that once you got the dog and you kind of saw what it was doing, it just kind of spiked an interest that you didn't know you had? Yeah, so my breeder he didn't 
he highly recommended it. He didn't require the testing, and I wasn't going to. And then working with you guys in NAVDA and talking to him, said, uh, he was, well, there's a test up there if you want to go do it. Yeah. And so I signed up for the test and didn't, and I enjoyed doing it. You learn a lot, and you get a better quality dog, I think, out of it. Yeah. And so you've been doing you've been doing the German testing, but you've been down there training with us at NAVDA, and you know we don't hold that against you that you don't do NAVDA training by any means. You or testing, you you stick with the German deal. Where's Tig at in in terms of testing? Because that played a big part in how you hunted him all week, and we're gonna get there in a minute. But like, where's he at uh, right now in terms of testing? Yeah, so we'll be running the VGP a couple weeks after we get back to Tennessee. And just recap, overall viewpoint, what is the VGP? It's a his utility test. Essentially, it's a two-day test and covers forest work, field work, and water work. Okay. Why, I've always been curious, why is it two days? Because it's like, I've always heard VGP is it's close to the NAVDA utility test. But that's obviously done in one day. Is it, do y'all run more dogs on that test and y'all just have to separate it over two days? Or is it just y'all y'all have additional testing requirements or section of the test that we don't? I've asked, they would. so there's only four dogs going to be running for both days. So y'all have less dogs, but then do it two days. So y'all have to have more throughout the test than, than what we do in NAVDA. Yeah, so there's 27 or 28 testing requirements in it. I don't remember the exact number. (laughs) Um, But they're evaluated for the whole time, whether you're in the the truck or in the field. Yeah. And uh, I've asked a couple different people. They just said it has to be two days. You have to have a certain amount of uh, testing subjects the following day. I think it's just to check their mental stability of after testing Gotcha. All day long. I don't know the exact answer to it. Well, one thing after talking to you and kind of seeing some of the stuff that you you're working on on the side. I mean, obviously we came up here for to to shoot birds, but you you have a test in a couple of weeks, so you you're that was at the front of your mind to make sure that none of your training and everything slacked off, uh, as it really shouldn't, except for maybe just some personal preferences as far as something such as maybe steadiness or something like that. Some people don't require steady to release while hunting; it's steady a shot. But I was intrigued by some of the other stuff that you've kind of been doing on the side, such as, you know, what's a, what's the section of the test where they have to lay there and be quiet and not move and, and all that stuff? What, what's that called? Uh, so there's a downstay and a drive hunt. The drive hunt's where you'll be with other dogs in there. They're simulating a drive, and your dog has to lay there beside you and be quiet during the drive. Okay. Then the downstay is... You put the dog down and you walk away from the dog and there'll be a couple shots. Okay. But, and the dog has to stay there. Okay. So that that was kind of obviously not just a big, you go X amount of minutes in a field shooting up birds or whatever. There, there's certain requirements as far as just obedience and calmness. But then what I thought was the coolest part, and, and we saw it in action the other day and you said that you've been after it for a while in an actual hunting environment is when we kicked up a jackrabbit the other day the size of freaking lucy that's the first jackrabbit (laughs) i've actually put eyes on in person that sucker was huge and it was hauling it was the size of lucy (laughs) (laughs) it was the size of lucy and we had tig and lucy on the ground and lucy was kind of off to our right working ahead and next thing you know we see a jackrabbit get up and tig is right behind it almost caught it 
in a curve at one point. He was kind of cutting it off, and then they got in a straight straight away. And Smoke, the rabbit smoked And him. the rabbit was smoking him after that. But walk us through what you did and why and how that relates to your test. Yeah, so he got on the track. He was chasing the rabbit. And after that, rabbit started gaining a lot of ground on him. was able to stop him with the whistle, no collar. Stopped him. He completely stopped, was able to call him back to me. And because if you get on a game in the test, you got to be able to stop your dog if he's chasing it. Yeah. I thought that was because I didn't even know that that was a bonus opportunity in your test, right? I, I've, I've honestly never heard of that, that part of it, the test, but you said that there is an opportunity to gain some additional points or whatever. Yeah, that's whatever. what a judge told me. I don't know if it just, if it, I'm pretty sure it reflects to the VGP as well, but I sold its arm rooster points. I don't, I don't know oh, the okay. exact answer. He said, make sure you can do it if you have it, have okay. to do it. And so to your point, like I'm, we're, we're obviously working, we're 10, 15 yards apart or whatever. We're walking. He gets, he gets on this jackrabbit, almost catches it. That jack, jackrabbit starts smoking him after that. You, you didn't even do like a forceful whistle. There was no repeat whistle. It was just one, just, you know, beep. And he woes. Now, have you been training woe on the whistle prior to that? I've trained the whistle. He, he reacts better to the whistle than woe. Okay. And that's because I trained it when he was a pup doing it just because he would be chasing game if I needed him to come back. So I've kind of been working it his whole life with the woe and overlaid it when he was young. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just can keep doing it, and I stay with it. I don't change it up. Well, I was just impressed that you take a dog, and draughts are known for that drive, right? That killer instinct, that fur drive especially, uh, for you to just do a light whistle blast, and it just woed immediately. And then you just said, Tig here, and he just came running back, got some water, and you healed him off to the right. I'm just sitting here like, you know, there's, I couldn't do that with my dogs. I, I, I just couldn't. And to me, that that's a... It was a good representation to the obedience level that you guys work to within the German system that, you know, we have obedience in NAVDA. You've seen it. You've helped on tests and, and done a lot of stuff with the chapter. But I, I would say not too many people within our chapter that we train with could do that with their dogs. And uh, that was evident this morning because we got on another jackrabbit right out of the gate, again, with Tig and Lucy, except this time Lucy was involved on the chase. <laughs> you heard her. She was voicing on the chase. Yeah. And uh, you blew the whistle. Tig stopped. And I had to, you know, bump her with the collar and she, she stopped. But, you know, a whistle wasn't going to stop her on, on that rabbit chase. But, yeah, it'd be hard to then. We hadn't. We had some 30-mile-an-hour winds or something like that today. Yeah. So, and they were out there probably 200 yards yep. when they started the chase. Yeah. Well, it was just a lot of fun. and I, I enjoyed hearing some of those little smaller things that maybe we don't do. And I, I, I kind of wish that some of that obedience was incorporated in a test because, you know, it would have mean that I would have had to train something like that. But I've honestly never thought about something like that other than it's just like, well, I got the collar. But I, it got me thinking. I'm like, well, what, what would I do if I don't have the collar? And that, I mean, we saw that jackrabbit left the freaking state. Yeah. <laughs> like it, we saw that it cleared the field probably five, 600 yards out. And you just saw a white, white tail just hopping down. Yeah. Down we were the hoping country. it was going to keep turning, but it just kept running <laughs> across the road, then into the next field and just kept going. Yeah. It's well, probably still running. Well, I mean, it was just a good reminder to me that as much as we do, you know, and there's always room for improvement and to learn from other systems because I've never seen that in action. You even said that you've been looking for that opportunity 
opportunity. And that's just a, that was just a side benefit and opportunity that we gained throughout the week to uh, on the dogs that we typically don't get back home. Yeah, and down in Tennessee, too, we got a lot of thick cover, thick thick rows and all that so we don't have that opportunity to be able to see out there three four hundred yards yeah of that chase happening and in south dakota you can see for miles out of here oh <laughs> so, easy yeah so uh but that that was just neat and so but we didn't come up here to chase jackrabbits right um you know, this was a trip I had planned with another buddy, and he unfortunately had to, you know, bow out of the trip. And I was just like, hey, Jacob, you want to go on this trip? And you're, sure, man, let's let's make it happen, right? I think you had to promise your wife a future uh, vacation next yeah. year in return. But, yeah. you know, I'd say that's a fair trade, right? Yeah, should be. <laughs> Depending on where she wants to go. Yeah. Well, that, that that's to be determined. What what was your first thoughts? Because again, this was your first big upland trip. You know, you've done upland hunting local in Tennessee, which we all kind of know how that is. You you can get on birds; it's not great. Uh, you shoot up to Kentucky, and you, and you found some coveys, you found some woodcock, and and you know you've done some duck hunting, but you you haven't been on that upland trip to where. I don't know if expectation is the right way, but high hopes for, you know, more consistent bird contacts and opportunities. What was your first thought when it was just like, it was decided you're going to South Dakota? Um, everything you hear about is like, you want to go get on birds, go out West. And yep. so you thought, of, you know, hit the first field, which we kind of did a little bit on that first field, but you think every field you're going to go in, it's going to be full of birds. That's <laughs> yeah. not always the case. <laughs> yeah, we got spoiled a little bit. We we, we re- really, our expectations r- was raised on that first field that yeah. w- when we came in, that first field we got on birds immediately. I think it was first 15 minutes we, we had a prairie chicken in the vest. And uh, we, we were like, oh, man, this is going to be great. Well, in the next few days, and we're definitely going to touch on this, we kind of rode the struggle bus a little bit. You know, yeah. uh, this trip I, I thought was great. You know, to to sum up everything, we get, came up here, we got we got the opportunities that we were hoping for and looking for. Every dog got the opportunities and experiences and lessons. Every dog got bird shot over point. Every dog got retrieves. Every dog got backs. Uh, you know, you're working on that with Tig right now. So you had to woe into a back, but you still got invaluable opportunities to teach that lesson in a real hunting environment. Yeah, he was has no nat- natural backing ability at all. Yeah. And uh, it's not something I've really worked on. I plan on doing that after the test and – yeah, just make for a better hunting season in the field with other dogs. Right, and then, uh, but you could tell like doing it, he started to acknowledge that other dog more and more. Well, there was one with Lucy today to where he didn't stop all the way. You ended up having having to woe him, but there was one that Lucy hit a point, mm-hmm. and and he he was he was slowing down. He he knew on his own. He was just like, okay, I've been through this a few times this week. It's it's time to stop. You ended up having to woe him, but it was a complete difference from at the start of the week to the end of the week. Start of the week, you know, he just kept on running. You really had to woe him or, or use the collar to get him to stop. Yeah. And then today, on a few points from Lucy, he was slowing down on his own. And it's like that's just in one week on Wild Birds that he's kind of – you can see he's connecting the dots on that. Yeah, because that, on that one uh, specifically, he – didn't acknowledge me at all he was just glued in on lucy and with that wind swirling too he he may even get in some bird scent as well we don't True. know 
Yeah, he, he, I mean, was, he, he was looking at her. He wasn't acknowledging me. Yeah, because it, it was a very windy day. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact miles per hour on the wind, but uh, it could have been. He was probably, what, 25 yards-ish around yeah, something there. like that. So, I mean, it's very possible that he got wind, especially as strong as it was today. But what what really solidified, and I think you said it too, was, again, back to that first field that we walked – we only put Tig down because we had been in the truck. The dogs had been in the kennel for really kind of three days. I mean, we we left Tennessee, stopped at the Invitational, then drove drove here, and then hunted the next morning. So they've been kind of cooped up, and so we're not we're not going to come right out you know out of the gates as you know dogs running 10, 15 miles a day. Yeah, we're we don't want to wear them. Out. Yeah, we're going to do a little warm up runs. And that day, the high was like mid nineties. Yeah. So we were just like, okay, we're going to do quick warm up runs and then kind of scout the area. But right out of the gate, we got on birds, and more specifically, we sat there and watched T- Tig bumped a bird. Mm-hmm. And you let it happen, and the bird taught taught Tig to where, and that one bird, so it's his first real wild bird out here, right? Yeah. Grouse and the the wide open with the wind. He gets in, he goes on point, but then he kind of creeps a little bit forward. He's like, I need need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. And then he bumped that bird. And you could see that light bulb went off, and he was kind of after that a little too careful on on bird scent after that for a little while, mm-hmm. and he was just immediately locking up. Yeah, he was he was way too cautious, which that's once again something wild birds are going to teach the dog. Yeah, and so I mean, what all I know is when when he bumped that bird, you you just looked at me and and you're like, the second bird. You looked at me like that one bird just taught him more than I did all year training, yeah, trying all, to simulate it. We can try and try. We haven't had the best flying birds this year. We've had yeah. we've had some good ones. We've had some that you can throw up in the air and they're just going to fall right back down. <laughs> so it makes it harder. And so it's, it's, you can't simulate the hunting situation. You, no. We can try our best, but we can't get it perfect. Yeah. We can use launchers, we can use whatever, but you saw, I mean, there's no fooling with the remote. There's no accidentally leaving the, the lock on the launcher or malfunction, batteries die, whatever, mistiming it, launching it too late and it gets up in his face or launching it too early and mm-hmm. he missed it because he, you know, he wasn't really on the scent. It was just his action caused the bird to flush and that that's ultimately why, why we kind of came up here because me and you've talked, obviously, we're coming up here to shoot birds. That's that's what we're hoping for, but me and you are kind of on the same page as far as we don't want to shoot birds unless our dogs properly handle it. You know, if the dogs are 150 yards out in front of us or to our left or something and a wild bird gets up to our right, we're not concerned about that. You know, that's free yeah. game if you want to it's shoot a, it. A you can shoot. It's, it's a wild flush, you can shoot it, but if the dog doesn't properly handle that bird and he gets too close and bumps it we're letting it fly away yeah and it's tough watching those birds fly away Yeah, because we could have shot a lot of birds <laughs> if that wasn't the case or i'm not gonna say a lot but a lot more yeah if- so i mean it was one of those like especially the the dogs you could see every day figuring it out learning more and more and more uh you know it, it kind of each dog was at the level and 
in performance is what we expected coming up here, right? What we kind of knew this was Tig's first time out on on the prairies, and it was going to be a little different of a ball game, especially with your test coming up. And we know Lucy has a little bit of experience, but she's still young in a lot of ways and green behind the ears. So she had some lessons. We knew Rachel was probably going to be our more, uh, I don't know, uh, reliable dog, so to speak. And it kind of throughout the week was that exactly, yeah. right? And so each dog learned especially Lucy and Tig, every single bird contact. But the struggle bus, man, Yeah, <laughs> we, we got to touch on that because we spent two or three days. It was, it was rough going. It, it's, we would come across birds, but, man, they were few and far between. And it's not so much that there are low bird numbers. There are birds out here in South Dakota. I mean, we're not going to hot spot or spot burn anybody out on this podcast, hopefully. Uh but the habitat just wasn't exactly what we were expecting when we came up here. Yeah, we definitely learned some valuable lessons <laughs> yes. on do planning you, the trip and all that. Yeah, do you ever want to hear the word drought in your life again? Absolutely not. I think that was a topic of subject every 15 minutes this this week between us, the locals, Greg, and, and Nate Joe, who were up here a couple of days. It was like, it seemed like every half hour somebody was talking about the drought and the impacts that it's had on the landscape here yeah and we even saw it today with late hatches oh wow yeah so on the way to to our last walk today we passed four or five groups of pheasant and almost half of them had a group of chicks with them all still the same size as baseballs Pretty late in the year, especially with pheasant season right around the corner, for chicks to be that young. But these pheasant, they weren't even flying away from their chicks because their chicks are still with them. I don't even think those chicks that we saw today could fly. No, they were, like you said, the size of baseballs. They, We saw the pheasants. They were wanting to bounce across the road, and then we see five or six little ones just running right across. We figured out why they were not wanting to leave. Yes. I mean, that, that was pretty eye-opening because – this is this is my biggest takeaway for just hunting trip planning in general. Actually put more stock in the reports as far as rainfall and conditions because I've always been one when somebody tells me the conditions are bad or whatever, I'm like, well, if the birds are up there, you're still going to get on birds, right? Yeah, you just got to go and find them. We heard if there's a drought, maybe less birds, a lot of people won't be coming, and that was not the case. No, and so... We got up here, and before we got up here, I had a few people like, hey, the, the drought up in the Midwest, is, it's no joke. And, you know, I talked to a few people. They're like, yeah, South Dakota, I think they got what what we were being told all week, like three inches of rain all year. Yeah, something like that. And it, and it wasn't even until like a month or two ago that they started getting rain. And so, you know, we, we just came up here assuming we, we kept hearing it. The bird report came out. The bird numbers were there. People were always reporting that they're seeing birds. So we're just like, we're going to go find the birds. You know, we know that the drought and the conditions and cover may not be great. What we did not realize was the impact on the landscape as far as everything else and everybody else involved, which includes cattle and ranchers. Because where we found grass and the cover, we were finding birds. Yes. But that good grass and cover you expect when you come up here was not common it was it was spread out 
a lot of areas were overgrazed. And as we got to talking to some of the locals, uh, you know, in stores or just running across them while we're out, you know, we stopped and talked to a couple ranchers. Uh, they told us they were grazing a lot more areas for longer because the grass quality and quantity just wasn't there. And so a lot more area was grazed. And that, that was really eye-opening to where it's just, yes, it, okay, they had a drought, I'm thinking in terms of just, okay, well, how does that affect the bird numbers? The bird numbers were fine, but we didn't know the impact in the other industries that might possibly yeah. impact the habitat on its own. Yeah, because them guys, like, we don't like it. We pull up to a field that looks good, and there's all kinds of cattle in there. But them guys are trying to make a living, too. Absolutely. And so it got tricky. And then, so you, you add in less cover because of the drought. Then you add in the cattle grazing more and in more places and getting moved around. And they got an extension from what the rancher was telling us on how long they could keep the cattle out there this year. And then you add in the fact that the, the cost of hay yeah, went it sky high. It doubled from, I think we were told, $80 bell last year to $160 bell this year. So some of the areas and in, in the surrounding areas off public land, some of the private land that would typically have good grass, it was getting cut and yeah. hayed and sold because the price was double because grass was hard to come by. Mm -hmm. And the ranchers, they have to feed the cattle through the winter, right? And, and it's one of those... You know, as bird hunters, we're selfish. We're like, man, there's got to be a better solution. Yeah, we just drove but, 18 hours. <laughs> but, but you know, like you said, they have to make a living too. But, you know, it, it's that's the biggest lesson to me is, okay, you get a report. Look into what that report really means for that local area because that can completely change your, your hunting trip. And especially yesterday and today, we throughout the whole week we finally found some areas with the grass we were looking for and there were birds everywhere we got really good dog work we shot a lot of birds and we had the walks that we were anticipating before that we never got skunked a single day but we definitely did not we did not even get the opportunities and shots at as many birds as we thought yeah there's times we'd walk three to four miles and not even have a bird contact, not see him fly over the next ridge, nothing. Yep. I think it was, was it Wednesday that, you know, when I, we were keeping track of the miles and everything, we were averaging like a bird contact every two to three miles. Something like that, yeah. And that stuff, you know, it's a heck of a lot better than what we have in Tennessee, don't get me wrong, but yeah. that's not what you're envisioning when you come up here. And it's just one of those, you know, uh, the other guys, they shot some birds too, but it was a learning curve for them as well. They still managed to get, get some birds uh, on their way out and, and they had success, but it, it's, we kind of came up here with blinders on a little naive to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Hey, it's South Dakota, it's birds, you know, let's go walk. You keep walking. What, I mean, what, what is it? They say, if you don't have a limit, you haven't walked enough. Yeah. Well, we were walking yeah. <laughs> and we, and we, you know, it just, it it happens right you know we we're able to salvage you know i say salvage like we we're having just a horrible trip we really weren't it was just hard right it was tough hunting yeah and as you said earlier it's not that we're not accustomed to tough hunting we're not accustomed to driving 18 hours for real tough hunting. <laughs> yeah and i don't think it's the lack of scouting because we were on the maps and stuff since for the last couple of weeks at least yeah. is i just don't think we were scouting the right stuff necessarily yeah 
And so what we came up here, you know, we kind of transitioned from we were driving around like, yeah, I think that might work. To we we finally just kept driving around until a certain field was screaming, "Come hunt me!" Yeah. So instead of like trying to make a field work to where again, if you walk two to three miles, you would you know probably you will, get you'll a find contact. a bird at some point. Yes, you you will find it, but. It wasn't until the past couple of days that we really pieced it together and started getting the opportunities and birds that we were hoping for when we came up here. So talk to me about your impressions after your first week. Like, was it everything you had hoped it'd be? Yeah, I'd say it would. I came up here with the goal to be able to shoot a bird over him that was handled correctly. Yep. And goal accomplished. <laughs> yeah, we got that accomplished. That was my biggest thing. They, we definitely dropped the ball a couple of times on our end. The dogs yeah. held up theirs, but it was definitely a good learning curve. And I'm glad we weren't spoiled on it, especially as my first one. Yeah. You still got to work hard for it. You still got to scout. Yes. Scout the right stuff and learn the weather. Yep. Know that definitely. But the whole experience was awesome to me. Yeah. So tell me something that maybe something didn't go as easy or it was different than what you're hoping for and you had to learn from it like a mistake that you made throughout the week um i think you already kind of hit it on just picking a spot and saying let's walk that and see if it works now you can't use that again um, we, we, we already <laughs> said that <laughs> that honestly that was the biggest one um say he held up his end i didn't have to do a whole lot on teaching wise on yeah the birds kind of taught him yeah and then there's that one he made two steps yeah and that bird flushed right in front of his face yeah 10 yards in front of me and just watched it fly away yep well i know you kind of halfway through the week kind of got in your head a little bit about shooting what was that about (laughs) man i just sucked for a few days (laughs) because i came in here the bird one bird that was a wild flush on uh nate's dog it was a wild flush. Nate's dog, he was running him. It was off to my left a good ways. The bird came up to my right, smoked it. <laughs> and then next couple of days, I just couldn't mount the gun right. You couldn't hit anything. No, it was just bad. And it always happened when we actually had the perfect scenario oh, from yeah, the dog. I missed, what, three, three or four birds <laughs> over him, a perfect point. <laughs> the bird's actually, he was steadier now than he has been all summer. Yeah. And... I did not hold up my end yep. at all. So, I mean, what do you think that was? Do you think it was just like, like I said, you kind of got in your own head or what? Is it something that you need? Because you, you shoot training all the time. So I'm like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, it's not really practice. You practice all the time. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I think you just got in your own head about I it. I think at first I was more concerned about the dog than I was shooting the bird and I was not ready. Yeah. And then it got into my head on man, I just can't shoot anymore. Yeah. Last week I was hitting birds at the training day and this week I can't. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And then today came back and for the last day pulled it together. Yeah. Well, so I have, it's a lesson that I know and I usually live by. I think you've been in the field with me uh, enough to, to know this when, when I'm out hunting. Okay. And I think you, you probably know where I'm going with this. This is the walk I did with Joe, right? Earlier in the week. I think it was the second day we were here. <laughs> so 
you know, there, there's a little bit of everywhere I go, I, I'm kind of in awe of just the environment, right? You yeah. know, it's a completely different world, completely different wildlife. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm a 10 year old kid again, like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. What's this? What's that? <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> it's the first real run that I have with Lucy and Rachel. Mm-hmm. And, and Joe gets, comes with me. We're sitting there working and uh, I tell him, you know, we're working the field. I'm like, that hill, we're, we're going to swing around that hill. That hill's going to have a yeah, bird. Yeah, you called it. it. I called it. And Joe's like, okay, yeah. Well, we get up there, and when we finally get up on top of the hill, I look off, and there's this giant buck just over there. And Rachel, she, she was on point on top of the hill. So when me and Joe got up there, we look down there, and we see this giant buck. And I'm like, she she's winding the buck. I don't know why, because I know Rachel doesn't point deer. I've seen it enough. But my mind just went off the reservation. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just in awe and shocked and surprised. There's a deer on the prairie. <laughs> and I, I, I'm literally like, oh, pull out my phone. This is what I don't do. I don't pull out my phone usually during the hunts. It right? was a big buck to your defense. <laughs> it so, was. So I, I pull out my phone and I'm trying to get a picture of this buck. And I even, it, you've seen the video. I even mm-hmm. tell Joe, I'm like, hey, get ready for a bird just in case she's not pointing. And as I'm saying that, the bird gets up and on the video, like I'm trying to mount the gun and shoot. I whiff, Joe whiffs, and we look up and see the deer running off. I'm like, I really just, like, Rachel was on point and Lucy slammed the back. I'm like, this is the exact scenario that I came up here for, and I just blew the first opportunity because I'm sitting here looking at a deer as if I've never seen a deer in my life. You only live in Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so it was a big buck, but it's just like, it's a deer. You know, they live out here. Don't be surprised. So it's just, and then I did the same exact thing a little bit later. I didn't learn my lesson, and, and I, I, it's just mindset. Like it was just the f- first main walk. I'm just I'm taking it all in, and I'm just making kind of amateur rookie mistakes. Like I've never been out out hunting with my dogs before, and it cost me birds. And because on that walk with Joe, I did it twice to where Rachel's on point and Lucy slams it back. I have the exact scenario we're after and and i blow it both times by just being distracted i'm not in the game right and to me that was just a good reminder hey idiot put your phone in your pocket yeah you've seen a deer before (laughs) stop doing that and so like you know we're i think rachel was you know i I was worried that she was gonna do something to me in my sleep or something because she just looked at me just pissed off like really oh she was grumpy (laughs) He was grumpy after that. I think that's what turned it. Yeah. Oh man, that that was. I think if if Joe was here now, he would tell you. I, I don't think anybody out there could roast me as hard as I was roasting myself for that entire day. Like I just could not let it go. Well, it came back to the cabin too. <laughs> You're still doing it. It was, just, but it stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's and then after that, it's just like I'm sitting here. All right, well, that was again one of the first main walks that I've had them on. I'm like, oh, I'll have other opportunities. Little did I know, it would be a few days before I really had that opportunity again, right? Mm-hmm. And so we kind of get on that struggle bus and we're riding it. I mean, we're we're putting in the miles, we're putting in the time, we're getting a bird here 
a bird there and it's, it's just frustrating right yeah you know we <laughs> we were trying to go on one public land this is like we found a place i guess they just moved cattle on there because yeah. the grass was still there it was still kind of ungrazed but there was a there was a lot of cattle out there in that field and we got sick of just walking these little patches that have been grazed over and so we're trying to walk out there and a rancher pulls up and tells us that we're not supposed to go hunt that <laughs> yeah that 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 was a little surprising because it's public land and the rancher is saying hey you don't need to go out there because my cows are out there and i'm like well all the fields out here have cows on here where do you want us to go hunt and he actually invited us to a private field that he had. Yeah, he was nice about the whole ordeal. He was nice. Uh, he, had, he invited us out to a private field he, that he had that was ungrazed. Kind of made me question for a second, well, if you have a private land that's ungrazed instead of public, what? but anyway, we don't need to get into that. It was a little strange. Yeah. But he invited us out there, and as soon as we literally get out of the truck, I mean, I think we walked through the gate and all, I mean, I don't, I can't remember exactly how many acres was on that field, but we look up and the sharp tail are flushing off the back end of that field. And there's a hawk flying around. We're assuming that's what did it, or it could have been us, I don't know, being too loud, getting out of the truck, wearing orange, who, who the heck knows. That was kind of, that was kind of our experience anytime going into areas with actual grass too, because to what you're getting at earlier, there's less areas to hunt and but the hunters were still here yeah the hunters were still here and those birds from the first day we got here to every day they're just getting more and more educated because i don't think that there was probably any more hunters necessarily than in years past but there were less areas with grass and habitat and it kind of focused everybody in. How many times were we going to an area that we couldn't go to because there was a truck parked there and vice versa? We were working in an area and we'd see trucks drive up and then drive off. I think it just kind of focused the hunters in different areas. And those birds got educated and pressured real quick. Yeah, and we saw that even the day you and Joe walked that road that you came and picked me up on, there was what, five or six trucks up and down and people just if someone left someone else just filled their spot in there yeah and it was like that in a lot of different areas yeah and we even saw it today <laughs> so i was about to say yeah. all the hunters did great uh, the proper etiquette we had a few guys come up talk talk to us and even talk hey i saw some birds over there a few days ago go have edit vice versa we talked to them everybody was great all week all hunters until today <laughs> We had that yeah. one guy try and cut us off in the field, which guys, if you're listening to this, if you're getting out to hunt a field and you see two guys with dogs working it, and I mean, we weren't far from his truck at no, all. And he we're wearing orange. He knew we were there and he got out there anyway and just cut us off with his dog and was going against the wind to do it. So he didn't even set himself up great to do it. Mm -mm. But me and you're just like, Really? The, the the last walk of the trip really yeah and, and it was yeah exactly. yeah and and we have this guy cutting us off and i mean i know i know you were kind of getting frustrated with it you're I like said, really let's just go i have a drive <laughs> <laughs> we'll take care of this yeah uh but you know it's like you're getting frustrated and i think i even said i'm like hey one time all week you know that's not a bad bad scenario no, not at all but you know that i i have to give 
everybody that was up in South Dakota credit for this week because there were a lot of hunters and and I was honestly surprised you usually run into that issue of people cutting each other off a little bit more often than what we saw this week. I mean, I don't know if, if you saw something different than me, but I was I was kind of impressed with as much hunter pressure as we had, uh, how well everybody kind of stayed out of each other's way and was respectful. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting that coming up here at all because we saw very few South Dakota plates out there running. It yeah. was all Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa. Yeah. And everyone was out of state here. Yeah. For the most part. So you would think you would see more of that, but it wasn't at all. Yeah. So what what did we do or not do on this trip besides what we've already talked about that you are going to plan better on the next one? I mean, it can be as simple as something gear related or timing related or dog power, whatever. I mean, what what would you say is one thing that stood out to you that's like, okay, we could do this better next time or maybe do whatever less. I don't know. I would say South Dakota, uh, specifically where we were at, is definitely the drought and see if you can figure out where the cattle are grazing beforehand, if there's uh, someone you can call for that. I don't – I think I've heard people say that there's there's like a map or yeah. a, um, a cattleman's exactly association what it is. or yeah. schedule or something like that. Part of me wonders how useful that would have even been this year, though, because the rancher even said it's kind of like I got the impression they're kind of just going like week to week or month to month with it. I don't know if, you know, they they have that. They may have something that they've already passed, like maybe, hey, that was grazed a month ago or two months ago. Which even that would have been helpful. Yeah. Because they didn't get rain. until, And more or less from what we heard, just more grain things up that made it grow. Yeah. And so that just that alone would have been helpful. Yeah, and I say that'd be the biggest thing. That way, we wouldn't waste so much time checking out areas on foot. Yeah, we can kind of focus in on areas that may be a little bit better. All right, I got you. Now, dog work. What what did you see improvements or or something that kind of maybe got worse throughout the week from dog work? besides the dogs learning to point sooner on the birds by bumping them, right? We already talked about that. What's something else? Um, I'll say something that got worse was definitely today, that first half of the walk. His cooperation <laughs> with me was awful. He was giving me the middle finger all morning. I don't know why. He, he pulled a drought on you this morning because yeah. it, for a dog that's so cooperative for to you, you know, he's not, not towards anybody else, but he's, he's very obedient and cooperative to you. He definitely, he definitely made your life a little rough on that first hot half of the morning walk today. Yeah. He was not hunting for me at all. And well, what about range though? Range? He definitely ranged out quite a bit. Uh, I think we got here at first, it was like 50 yards. Yeah. And then he was ranging out to 100, and then they've been ranging out the last couple of days up to 200 yards, yeah. which Lu is a huge improvement. Lucy and Tig, every day their range and work got better. Mm -hmm. And they were, what I notice, especially with Lucy, is working the wind to yes, her Yes, I was about to say that. they were, And that's something to where we try, again, we try and simulate this in training as best as possible. But there's no way for us, especially in Tennessee, to simulate the type of wind 
and work in South Dakota that you can't simulate that in Tennessee. We have the hills, the mountains, trees. We have wind blocks everywhere. We get like a slight breeze, like a four or five mile an hour wind down there is a windy day for us. Yeah, I mean, half the time we train, there is no wind. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone says horrible sending conditions. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. But out here, it's you saw it in Lucy, especially when if we were working a headwind. You know, we try and work crosswinds as much as possible, but say, you know, you got to go from point A to point B. Like sometimes this is, all right, I'm not walking three miles when I can just walk a half a mile straight on into the wind and then get in a better position, right? So you saw it, I felt like in Lucy more so than the other two dogs to where working in that headwind, man, she was she was working real close. I mean, almost flusher dog range. Yeah. And it was just one it was frustrating, yes. But it's I think I even told you, I'm like, she's gonna figure it out. Especially once she starts getting on birds, that's just gonna naturally fix itself. I don't have to do anything because if I if I start hacking at her and say, you know, trying to push her out, she's not gonna do it. It's gonna make worse because she's gonna get in her own head. And that's what we just did. It was annoying, it was frustrating. She was working way too close in a headwind. Crosswind she was doing fine. Yeah. But when you went into a headwind, she was just way too close, just way, working way too slow to Today, she was working 175 to 200 yards out. Yeah, and that was in all winds, too. We had a headwind, crosswind, even a good section of backwind. And that's what I was going to say. I noticed she was getting in favor of the wind no matter which way we turned. Yeah. And that was just through one week of getting on birds here and there. And then yesterday, and especially today, because she didn't didn't even work yesterday when Rachel really kind of turned the trip around for us and we got into those birds. But today, especially, like, we did a really long walk to close this out with with just Lucy and Tig. And I can honestly say, like, just the way she worked that field, I mean, she held that one point, we were 100 yards off, Mm -hmm. and held it until we got there, flushed it, and shot the bird. Yeah. At the start of the week, she wasn't even going 100 yards out, let alone finding and holding birds for us at 100 yards out. Mm -hmm. And that was a big eye-opener for me because we saw it with Tig as well and and I think that was the thing today is I don't think it was so much him throwing up the middle finger to you like hey I'm not hunting hunting for you I think it was one of those he was ranging so far he was so much into getting the wind into his favor that it just kind of happened that way to where he was kind of hunting for himself instead of you if that makes any yeah, sense because he wasn't he wasn't wanting to come check in and I don't need him to come right to me to check no. in i just you don't want to because it's no. wasted miles it's wasted yeah. steps right yeah but he was just going and then not even acknowledging that i was around there he could be off to the right 200 yards and i'm walking to the left yes and he was just doing his own thing and that's where the issue is and i actually brought him back in to kind of fix it i guess and he started hunting better for us he was hunting for me again yeah and i know we were also getting birds in we gave lucy the re- couple retrieves i think he saw that yeah, you gave him a denial on one bird that he found. <laughs> you gave him the denial because he didn't hold the way you wanted, shot the bird, and you tried sending him, uh, but 
he wasn't, once again, not acknowledging that I was sending him. Right. He was wanting to just go and do his own thing. You lined him up. You sent him. I had Lucy over here at Hill. You tried once, maybe, to, I can't remember if you did a resend with him or not, but it was like no matter what you were doing that first half of the walk, he was wanting to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up sending Lucy and you yeah. had him come back into heel. We sent Lucy, and she tracked that bird because it was a cripple. Mm-hmm. And she tracked that bird, I don't know how far off. It was pretty far off. Snagged the bird, brought it back. And it was kind of like you could see him just like, well, I wanted that bird. Yeah, and I did it a second time, too. <laughs> after that, he did great. His mind, his his head got screwed on tight. It's just like he wanted those birds so bad that he was just going with the wind wherever. Yeah. And I even asked you, I'm like, do you think he can't hear you or the whistle because of the wind? And you're just like, no, he's just being, you know. He's just being stubborn is all <laughs> He's just it is. being stubborn. But after that second denial, he snapped back in. But so, Rachel, I just said, she t- she kind of turned the ship for us yesterday. We got in yeah. some good grass habitat. It was an hour and a half walk, a real quick walk. It was a small field. Uh, we honestly, I don't even think it was connected. We couldn't even extend it the way, you know, any further than what we did. Hour and a half. And then it was just like when it lit, it lit. It was yeah. like we when we got into birds and Rachel was just point shot point shot and I think they were all there they were all one it was this area boom 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 I think I shot the three bird limit in 20 minutes yeah right uh you would have had some birds but you're still in your head not being able to shoot you did you're like I don't know how to work a shotgun (laughs) but today we're like okay Rachel's up she actually after after that run in actual grass her her feet kind of took a beating a little raw I had boots if we needed her but we're like hey we, you know, Lucy and Tig need the reps. Yeah, so, they haven't had that day we were looking for yeah. quite yet. So we kind of we had been saving this field all week. We we're like, this is it. This this is going to be the last day. It's the coolest day. The weather was setting up perfect for it. We're like, we're taking Lucy and Tig, and we're just burning all the gas that they have in them because we're we're leaving tomorrow. We're not mm-hmm. hunting again. We're burning them up. Yeah, we yeah. had weather today. We could have hunted all day if the dogs were up for yes, it. Yes, all day. And we've saved this field. It's it's great cover. We just knew we were going to get into birds. It's the first field that we came upon this week, which it was just strange how that happened. It was the first first walk and the last walk of the week, right? So we go out there, and we're both of us, we're like, okay, we haven't been able, both Tig and Lucy have pointed birds, and we just have not, on our end, execution-wise, not been able to make it happen. Our mission today was we're going to make it happen for both dogs. Long story short, we made it happen, Mm -hmm. right? We got into birds. All the challenges with Tig on the first half of the walk, you know, that went away, got his head screwed on tight. We shot birds over Lucy Point. We shot birds over Tig Point. We got backs from both of them. And now it's time. So we have, we've gotten exactly what we want out of both both dogs in the scenarios, we're happy. We're ready to go. We have a one main limit, and I have another bird. You got you got your limit this morning. I have one bird. We got two to go, right? This is where <laughs> we have literally like one more direction to walk on the way back. Both dogs are, you know, they're they're mid twenty mile, they're twenty twenty five miles, something like that. We're like, all right, we got to start heading back to the truck at some point. You kind of see them slowing down a little bit. We have two birds to go. 
We're like, but we're both ecstatic. We're yeah, both we, happy. We, yeah, got we had to split water and make it work. <laughs> yeah, we're conserving water. Yeah. Uh, so on the way back, we've gotten everything that we want out of that walk. If we left then, you know, we would have been happy with how how this morning's walk went. And then Tig, we just see Tig, man. He just we see him catch wind, and he gets in that little stalk pose, goes about ten yards, and then just sticks it nails it lucy comes up right behind him and sticks it as if she's like a foot away from a bird just solid both of them and we're yeah. like, and i I tell him I, I i think i said i was like if we go up here and this is the double like this is the two birds that we need to finish the two main limit i was just like this is it this is the perfect scenario yeah, you couldn't have painted a better picture you really couldn't like this is what trips are what you dream about on trips perfect dog work we go up there and completely just whiff yeah. <laughs> both birds get up exactly what we want and just complete and utter failure on my part for missing like it was pathetic and me and you uh, like we were just sitting there like that was it like we're not getting another shot and we didn't no we, we didn't we didn't see another bird for us to walk <laughs> and yeah, it was it was sad. <laughs> the, it's it was it felt like I mean I swear to God when I saw Tig slam the point the way he did like it was it was just beautiful. I know he's even up high on the hill too. Uh, yeah, with sun in the background, yeah. like it just it was just picturesque. It was like like you said, you can't paint the picture any better. And yeah. Lucy just sticks the point. And it was a it was a staunch back to her. Yes. Probably her staunchest back that we've seen this week, yeah, I think. Like it was both dogs were so intense. We've been getting into birds and it's just like they've been working together. It's just like Lucy a thousand percent confident that Tig was pointing birds. Yeah. And she was on the wrong side of the wind. Like she she wasn't winning those birds. And she was what, forty, fifty yards off. Like it just it was just beautiful. He holds the point all the way for us to get up there. And then the two birds come up. And with I don't let them I don't let them crest I, I I shoot one as they're lifting and then as they're leveling out I thought I got a beat on on one of them apparently didn't and it's just disappointment all over again and it feels like we haven't had the success that we had all morning and yesterday and it's just like man that that was the way to close out the trip it would have been like, <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> well, it's, it's disappointment. I, I can feel you have something else to add to this. Say <laughs> so it makes you want to go out and try to simulate it one more time before we leave, but it's a. That's the only reason we had a very successful walk <laughs> to end it strong, and just want to go out and try to do it one more time with them. It would it would be nice, but Tig's over there nursing his uh, his joints and pretty sure and the feet. girls are in the bed right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean both the the dogs. Rachel Rachel mentally wants to go, but her feet. You know, I told yeah. you we can boot her up and go. You know, she'd be she would go she would go without boots right now. But it's also you know it kind of goes back to the run that she had yesterday morning. To me, there's no topping that. No, there. It's like I I almost just. I, I don't want to put her down on the ground because it's like the way I'm leaving South Dakota with her, it's just like Rachel left her stamp yesterday morning. Yeah, when we go out to, <laughs> to that field, there ain't, there's not going to be any birds in it. It's going to be our luck. <laughs> we'll go back to how it went. Yeah, no, it's 
Yeah, it's like Rachel did the turning point yesterday. I think me whiffing on the last double that would have closed out the the limit for me. I think that was the turning point back onto the struggle bus. And yeah. it's like, all right, all right, we're it's leaving. Time, it. time we're, to lease out yeah. Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not getting back on that bus. No, no. It's uh, man. It's I'm I'm glad you're able to make it and and experience a. a your first upland trip you know it's it's a little different and you never know what to expect uh you know as much as we talked about the struggle bus and some of the conditions here it i, I it was a very enjoyable trip the people we met and and you know got the pleasure to do some walks with uh you know greg old uncle pete which we were yeah. able to i wish we were able to get old uncle pete on the He's podcast we tried we, we tried uh but you know nate and joe joe Man, that 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 Deutsche Longhar, mm-hmm. that was neat to watch her work. Yeah, I haven't seen one work out in the field. I've seen some at the training days. Yeah, but not one to her caliber. I don't. I don't think I've seen yet. No, he just put the, he put the VC on her last week. It's yeah. the se- second one of that breed, from what he was telling me. Yeah, uh, and I mean it just. I really enjoyed watching that dog work. It was just and just seeing her around around camp and yeah everything. she worked great in the field and he'd put her down and at I, camp and she'd stay there i told to worry I, about her at all i told him i was like if if my wife pam sees this dog <laughs> she's gonna want one might uh, as well get one hey you know joe come bring your you know come bring piper down to tennessee and let my wife see her but it's that i really enjoyed watching that dog work it was uh it was a pleasure to see and we even got to experience some uh more uncommon type of grouse hunting as well yeah you know we did one walk uh went at, at this point we we're just like hey the cover's kind of strange we'll go try anything we should have been prepared for what we asked for because uh we did kind of a driven hunt through a sunflower seed uh field with uh with labs of greg's labs and hey he, he ended up bagging a bird, right? Yeah. There's pheasants going everywhere, but he still bagged a bird. <laughs> yeah, he got a chicken out of it. Yeah. So I mean, it's that that was definitely a learning curve. So that that was interesting. What stands out to you throughout this week that just, you know, you besides the the way we ended it and me whiffing on the double cuz I know you said that memory's going to last you forever. Uh what uh is there is there one thing that's going to stand out for you? Um, no, I'm not going to say there's one thing. It was just the whole experience. Like right when we came into South Dakota, I was just in awe on the amount of ducks that were in the, in every <laughs> single pond. And yeah, because you've never been out this way. And no, so you're I just haven't. shocked at the, the ducks and geese everywhere. Yeah, because I'm used to hunting middle Tennessee. <laughs> and no, the whole experience, the hunt, and the even when we were struggling, trying to find the right cover, walking around for miles, even though it sucked at the time, it's still all enjoyable. It's a trip we're not going to forget. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's uh, hopefully you can join me on another trip. Uh, you know, later this year, next season, because I enjoyed having you. It was. Uh, I'm glad you're able to make it, and and we were able to have the the levels of success that we had because it was by no means a failure in any regards. Uh, you know, it's South Dakota. I can honestly, I've, I've told you before, I've, I've been to a lot of areas hunting over the past few years. The locals here, uh, you know, obviously different from where we're from, probably the nicest people. Yeah, everyone I, here is like a genuinely good person. 
it's the nicest people I've been to or been around on on just going out of town on any trip or hunting trip. Like I mean, I I think we we went into town and we ate at a couple. We ate at the local diner yesterday. Yeah, and then a steakhouse tonight kind of close out the trip and as i was telling uh the waiter tonight i'm like everybody here is nice like it's just it, it was kind of off-putting a little bit just everybody hey everybody was super welcoming just hunters you know it's you can tell it's a hunting community it's well. a hunting community and also just the local communities depend on hunting yeah, because any store we went into, they asked what we're doing, what kind of hunting we're doing. Yeah. Like, even well, if they weren't hunters, they didn't know anything about hunting, they asked if we were hunting. Yeah, absolutely. And then <laughs> the, the the little lady in the gift shop today, yes. while we were going to get souvenirs for, for the old ladies, uh, that that lady was a trip, dude. She yeah. was cracking us up. It was awesome. Oh, once she came out, I knew we were buying something in that store. <laughs> she, like, she's going to convince us to buy something. We bought all the souvenirs for the wives there. The l- little old lady just like, oh, who are you here? What are you hunting here? Do you like eating pheasant or grouse more? And just and then just repeating the questions over and over again. I don't think I've met a. We, even, we even left with a couple cookbooks <laughs> from the store. <laughs> like stuff that we didn't even want. We're just like, yeah, here, you're super nice. I like you. Yeah. <laughs> It was awesome. Uh, well, again, man, I, I appreciate it, and uh, you know, thanks for making it, making it through the struggle bus with us. And I mean, it's tur- turned it around. It was it was a lot of fun, and now we get to uh, pack it up and head on home tomorrow. Eighteen hours to go home, and we're we're gonna be wishing that we're still walking and and trying to find grass around here. And as again, as as much as it was a challenge, and and the local challenges from the drought drought it's it i think it's a, a hunt and an experience that everybody sh- should try at some point you know i'm not gonna say everybody do it at once but <laughs> uh pay attention to that weather report or, or the Absolutely. rain report because that that was the biggest learning experience here and uh you know no fault of the cattle guys it's they got to make a living right it is what it is you got cattle you got you got to feed them, and uh, so as much as we're selfish, uh, you know everybody in South Dakota. I, I had a blast, and you know I think Greg's Lodge treated us well. Yeah, I'll definitely be maybe not back here at Greg's, but <laughs> but I'm definitely going to come back to South Dakota at some point. Yeah, maybe a different time of the year. Just give it a try and see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anything else to add before we cut this off and? You know, go drink another beer before we head out. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody have a good one. We'll check back next week. We get asked all the time what the most important thing to consider is when training and living with a hunting dog, and they're often surprised when they hear us answer with proper nutrition. It's pretty obvious when you think about it, though. It doesn't matter how well the dog is trained if it doesn't have the right fuel. The saying garbage in, garbage out rings true in dog nutrition. Yukonuba's premium performance lineup goes beyond just protein and fat with a number of different formulas designed to fuel your dog's specific activity level while supporting their recovery and optimizing their nutrient delivery. The proof is in the pudding, or lack thereof, when you make the switch to Yukonuba. You'll see immediate results in your dog's energy level and drive. They have a formula for every type of dog from your hardest working dog in the field to your laziest retired dog on the couch. Head on over to YukonubaSportingDog.com to find the right formula for your hunting partner. Make the switch today and let Yukonuba fuel your dog so you can focus on what you and your dog actually love to do, work.
picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. Head on over to UglyDogDistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another Ugly Dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an Ugly Dog at your side. Explore responsibly. All right, Harold, did any of that episode recapping our south dakota trip makes sense to you <laughs> yeah man um it's it reminded me of my early days going to northwest iowa trying to figure it out like okay yeah. i've never hunted a pheasant before what what do i do okay so it's kind of like it was kind of uh, fun to listen to the struggle but also <laughs> also made me jealous at times because i was like man i wish wish i was there yeah. shooting prairie chickens too well i i haven't heard heard it back all i can remember it do so we hunted all week and then obviously packed up and everything and we were drinking beer and it was like midnight so we were we were fried by the time we were recording that so i was like i hope what we said made sense <laughs> but if you hopefully uh you know i'm trusting you on that one that it that it did but uh i do remember that it's just like what you said the struggle up front uh it, it really only made the success on the second half of the trip even that much sweeter really and that's that's what i was telling jacob obviously this was jacob's first trip it's like man sometimes you go on trips and you're just riding the struggle bus the entire time right and this was the trip to where it's like you ride the struggle bus for a few days you figure it out you start piecing the puzzle together and then you really bring it on home towards the later let second half of the trip and that's exactly what we did and i mean the dogs just killed it at the end so like we were super proud and pleased by, by the time we were set to go home but dude halfway through the week if we had to go home based on how the first half went we probably would have been a little uh not upset or anything like that but just let down like you know you don't go on a trip that far uh just for scraping a bird here and there but by the end of it, we were happy. <laughs> been a few tears on the pillow, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we we've been crying a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just you, you got to push through the struggle, man. Especially when you're hunting new areas and new species. You know, the best way, like what we're about to touch on with you, you you're about to shoot on into Wisconsin next week, right? You're packed up, you're ready to go right now, but you're like, I don't know where to go. I'm like, man, just go. You got to piece it together somehow, right? Like at some oh, point, yeah. you got to stop looking at a map and you just got to go. Yep. Well, the map's great to be kind of like, get your, your ideas of where you're going to go and you know, okay, I think I can park here. And then you get there the first day. I usually like to drive around and see how, close i was to guessing of parking places and if things <laughs> yeah. are looking the way they thought i thought they would look and then i go set up shop but yeah i'm 
you mentioned you said that I've been packing. I started yesterday and just got done packing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it takes me a couple of days to get everything together, which is kind of frustrating. I like to think that I'm like super organized and could be like out the door in 20 minutes with all my stuff, but it really does take me a little bit, especially with well, the dog and well, making sure I got all this that's stuff. That's what I was about to say is you're camping, right? So it's not like you're kind of combining a hunting trip and a camping trip into one. And so you, yeah. you have double the stuff that you got to remember to take because if you get up there and you forgot your camping stove or your gas, it's like, well, that's inconvenient. <laughs> you know, exactly. I'm going to be a little hungry here. I got to go find something. But yeah, it's it, it, it's just one of those, the, the planning, you got to plan. So you kind of have a ball, you know, some kind of vision or image in your head of what, what you're going towards. Uh, but you also can't let the planning, you know, perilous by analysis is a real thing, especially with trips like this. Sometimes this is like, hey, I did my homework. We've trained all year. Let's just pack up and go and just pay attention while you're out there. And then hopefully by the end of the week, you really start to put together those really good walks that made you go on that trip to begin with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, it'll happen. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited. I'm taking a buddy who's uh, – well, we'll be me and you and I will be meeting up, but I'm starting the trip off with a friend who uh, who's just kind of now getting back into hunting. He uh, just he's done some squirrel hunting and a few pen raised birds that he's bought to train with Lucy. He's been yeah. gracious enough to do that for me, and um, you know just to have some target practice more or less. But he's he's really fired up to go up there, and I'm fired up to take him and. I'm excited. I'm. I got some duck decoys in there. I got waders in there. I got the kitchen sink in there, bro. I'm ready to go. The snack tote is doubled in size, dude. So we've gotten requests from listeners. They want a, a, an entire episode dedicated to Harold's snack tote. They feel like we didn't do it enough justice on the previous mention of it. <laughs> I, you know, I might take it a step further, and that could be a video project maybe for Patreon <laughs> down the road. So screw all the dog gear and hunting gear and the emergency gear. What is in Harold's snack tote? That's the important piece here out of all of it. But no, but in all seriousness, man, I'm I'm glad that you're getting to go because you know obviously we have Maine at the end of the month that we're looking forward to. But I I kind of just worked into where I'm working in a quick little camping trip up to Wisconsin myself, and you weren't going to be able to go because of work. And then you figured out how to. I think a show got canceled or something on your end, and it opened it up to where you're going to go kind of a week ahead of me and then we're going to overlap for a day or two and then you shoot down uh but i'm glad i'm psyched that you actually get to go hopefully just remember space out lucy man keep that dog power going because y'all you you got one dog and two hunters like it's going to be really tempting for y'all to just go push 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 but you know just keep her fresh because yeah man your hunts will be a lot better off for it in the long run if you space them out better Totally. I feel like I will do that just based off we, when I hunted with her last late season in Iowa, it was kind of like, well, just because of how the the public is and how the land is there, you really hunt in short, short spurts. Whereas up here, when you're on these big tracks of land, it's easy to just keep pushing and keep going, like you said. But uh, you just up there, it's, it's, it's easy to get, get going. I mean, if you want to go for a good five-hour walk i mean it's it's easy to do up there especially with the amount of water up there you don't you know the it's easy to get dogs some water you you can easily go uh just 
you know, like you, like we talked about already, you've been eyeing the maps. So it's like just kind of get some walking trails or, you know, paths, you know, map it out to where it's like, oh, you know, that's a quick three mile circle. Let's go knock that out. And, you know, you can usually base for every walking mile that you do, usually the dogs are three to four miles on average. Some dogs more, some dogs less. It, that's usually the general rule of thumb I tell people. And, and it's true for me, it's three to four miles per mile, one mile. So it's like, you know, if you do a three mile circle, well, Lucy's going to be nine to 10 miles on that one walk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which is pretty accurate with her too. It's, she's pretty, I'd say a mile, my mile is probably three of hers typically yeah. from, based on the Garmin looking at that. Yep. Well, I mean, was there anything on this episode that, you know, kind of struck a chord with you or stood out to you that, that you wanted to touch on or that you appreciated and, you know, that maybe can be useful for you moving forward on other trips? I don't know. I don't know. I appreciate Jacob's uh, sticking to his uh, training regimen, it sounds like. I mean, I wasn't there to witness it, but it sounds like uh, – that sounds like it was, you know, very beneficial for him and his dog, and yeah. um, it sounds like it was pretty a pretty cool moment to see him see that dog finally catch on with the wild birds. Yeah, and it goes down to discipline. I mean, it's we've talked about it a number of times on this podcast. A lot of people will say they're going to go up there and be disciplined and only shoot pointed birds or birds that are worked by their dogs. Uh, and then you get up there and there, you know, people get a little bird drunk and they start flying around and they, you know, I didn't drive all this way for nothing. And then they start shooting them. Uh, but I think Jacob, uh, I, I was kind of surprised he didn't get a little bird drunk here and there, but he does have that test coming up in a week or two. So I think that kind of helped him. And then also by letting that first bump bird fly and see Tig's reaction immediately thereafter with the next bird and then the next bird you could tell he was just like, wow. I mean, I worked all summer with launchers to get this, and I got it in one wild bird contact. You can't beat that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, he, he even mentioned that. He's like, man, I t- it took all summer to do this, basically. And <laughs> Well, that's what we funny, do in the training fields. Yeah. That's what we do is we try and emulate or simulate uh, wild bird contacts. Well, if you can get on wild birds, and guess what? You don't have to try. It's just there, right? The, the wild birds are going to act like wild birds. And if you go in there with the right training mindset, then you're going to go far with it. Yep. Yeah. Um, totally agree. So with that being said, are you going to go up there? Are you going to play Lucy off of wild bird contacts a specific way? Or are you going up there like with the mentality, hey, I'm putting it in the cooler, man. That's why I came up here. <laughs> Well, I think because since I like you acted like I have one dog and two hunters that I'm at this disadvantage for that reason, but I kind of think, well, I can rest my dog and then go out and hunt and kick them up and shoot them if I want to. That is a very that is a very good point. Yeah, it's just like you you can focus on the dog work, but then if you you and you know your buddy want to go actually shoot, if it flies, it dies, and put it in the cooler. There, there's your meat walk right there. You don't have to worry about dog works and bumping it. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's kind of my strategy. I told him I was. I actually told him that on the phone. I was like, man, I said when uh when the dogs out there, I'm gonna be a little bit more strict. But I said there's gonna be times there's gonna be times where we're gonna have time to go, and the dogs gonna need to rest. And you know, at that point, you just shoot them up. You know, <laughs> there you go, man. 
Sounds like you got a plan. Well, I'm excited to to hear how your trip goes and your learning curve. Uh, but you know, with that being said, you're you're about to be gone all the, this week. I'm going to be gone next week. And you know, we had a few people last week. We got an episode out a couple days late, and I I think they. Uh, so your your work schedule is a little different. You do a lot of traveling for work. I mean, that's exactly what your work is, right? So sometimes, you know, we're going to do our best to keep keep getting these episodes out every Tuesday as scheduled and as normal, but with your work schedule and changing and and travel and all that, sometimes it's going to be a Wednesday or sometimes it's going to be a Thursday. But I think it's pretty safe to say that, uh, you know, again, we do this, we train these dogs to go hunting. You're going to be gone all this week. I'm going to be gone the next week. Next week, we're probably not going to have an episode, you know, unless we just, you know, the the clouds align, <laughs> the planets align and the clouds clear and all that stuff. And we, we have that opportunity to really kind of get that episode ready to, to launch. Uh, I'm going to say, go ahead and count on probably two weeks from today, having another episode though. I mean, I, you know, we try and do it every week, like clockwork, but with you being gone and me, me being gone the next week, I think it's just going to be too big of a stretch. And at the same time, we do this to go hunting. So we want to enjoy our trips, right? Well, that being said, we're also going to be trying to get some podcasts recorded while we're gone as well. Oh yeah, no, I got I've got two or three kind of things lined up, sticks in the fire to to try and knock out. So you know, hopefully, we'll come back with good content. And you know, it's just one of those things to where instead of me and you killing ourselves and and forcing you know something out next week, you know, it, it's it's just probably going to be the following one, and we're just going to go out there and enjoy enjoy our trips and enjoy our hunting, and then we'll be back with you as soon as we get back and life back to normal right pretty much (laughs) oh i got my tent i uh my tent fitted in my car so if it rains you can you're welcome to sit under my tent (laughs) so i wasn't sure if it was going to fit or not now is this just like one of those little canopies that you're going to put up or is it an actual tent yeah yeah a canopy like from academy you know (laughs) A nice little tailgating style. Yeah. See, I'm going up there in my truck and my setup that we've talked about before. You're going up in that car, man. You're making it happen in the Maladu. The Maladu. It does. (laughs) The Chevy Maladu, baby. That's right. (laughs) Complete with the snack tote. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, man. It's it's ready to go. It's bogged down, man. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably... We see what kind of gas mileage we get. It's she's she's ready to go. She ain't gonna flip. That's for sure. It's <laughs> it's loaded. <laughs> yeah. Well, good deal, man. I'm I'm excited for you. Uh, real quick before we hop off this, you got a review of the week. <sighs> well, while you're trying to figure that out, we uh, we are trying to get with Ann Jandernaw to schedule that next Zoom room for going over her mapping software and just any rough grouse hunting questions that you may have in general of her uh we we have a couple dates in mind just be on the lookout for that you know we'll announce it on instagram facebook patreon stuff like that but uh if you're if you're wanting a link for that be sure to check out our patreon and uh sign up for that so that you can get access to that link and then you have direct uh q a session with with ann uh, and it, again it can be in terms of just scouting maps or you know hunting in general she's she's a wealth of knowledge every time i talk to her i'm learning something different so 
just wanted to throw that out there. It is in the works. We don't know 100% exactly when it's going to happen. It's going to be soon, though, so just be on the lookout. And uh, with that being said, hopefully Harold has the review by now. Yeah, man, right here. This is from a, this is from a year ago. Why Dang, not? Man. Digging. Went all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just feel like I've seen these other ones so much. I want to go back a ways. Right. Um, it's from RGR Walker. Uh, excellent podcast. Really enjoy the laid back atmosphere and what they're doing for the bird dog community. Roger Walker, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Hopefully, he's uh, he's still enjoying the podcast after a year. Uh, but you know, hey, if if Roger Walker, if you're listening and you want a sticker, be sure to hit us up at uh, you know Gundog at yourself at gmail dot com. Any of the social media platforms, all that fun stuff. Uh, Harold, is there? I feel like we're missing something else. Is there something else that we're missing? Well, we have T shirts for sale. That's on our website. We do have t-shirts. We do have Um, hats in now. We got to get hats on the website. They're in if you want one. Also, if you're a Patreon, uh, Patreon, then you get a discount. So hit us up about that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, if you want a hat or a shirt, it's it's ready to rock. So, um, of course, we're not going to be here next week so <laughs> the shipping but might can, be a little slow <laughs> our hunting trips mess it. up everything for everybody no no episode no 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 shipping on the man we're just we have horrible customer service <laughs> no nah, i think i can probably work out the shipping but um yeah it's still warm enough to where i'm gonna be wearing my t-shirt up in wisconsin so yeah. and i'll certainly be wearing my hat but um <laughs> gonna be repping that gdiy son that's right yeah that's right well good deal Check. if i see you out there i might have a hat for you just saying maybe see, i might have a spare hat see we're if giving see away too many wisconsin clues. woods i was about to say you've given the state you've given the car that you're driving <laughs> it, <laughs> you've already told people what you're going to be wearing next thing you know if they see some dude on the backside of a maladu pulling out a snack tote then, then they know hey there's harry <laughs> yeah man it's silver just gonna go ahead and tell you 2011 yep. make and model <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, yeah with that well, being said this went down the drain real quick harold good luck on your trip man we'll see you soon but uh listeners uh get out there hunt your dogs remember what you got in this for be safe have fun uh see you guys soon thank you for listening to gdiy if you enjoy this podcast please remember to take a moment to rate review and share with a friend also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone 
everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.